If you aren't hyped up for Rivalry Weekend, I don't know what to tell you. You might have to question whether you're a football fanatic or not. But we have Nebraska versus Iowa. We have Minnesota versus Wisconsin. We have Oregon versus Oregon State. Auburn versus Alabama. But we all know why we're excited for Week 13, for Rivalry Weekend. And for some, it is those games that I mentioned. But for most, even if they are not an Ohio State or Michigan fan, it is the game. The game is the reason why. Spirits are broken. Lives are changed. Aiden Hutchinson helped solidify himself as one of the best overall draft prospects in the 2022 NFL Draft, in part because of his performance in this game. Urban Meyer was a legend, and still is a legend as a head coach, due to the fact that he never lost to Michigan. Jim Tressel turned Ohio State football around into a dominant machine because he focused on beating Michigan first. And Jim Harbaugh was having relative success with the Wolverines, but he couldn't beat Ohio State. And when he could beat Ohio State, in 2021 and in 2022, that's when Michigan was able to catapult themselves to the next level. The game changes lives. It breaks spirits. It knocks down walls. It shakes the inner being of Michigan, Ohio State fans, and college football fans in general, and it causes a tsunami effect throughout the college football universe. Welcome back, fellow football fanatics. I am so pumped to preview and give my prediction for this game for all of you to see. Before we begin, please hit that subscribe button and click the notification bell so that you can get notified when I post new college football content. I posted a 50, yes, 50-minute 50 deep analysis discussing different angles for the Wolverines and the Ohio State Buckeyes and breaking down their defenses, offenses, and talking about them in just a deep way. So I will link that down in the description and down below in the pinned comment, and I will also be talking about more specific topics relating to the game in the coming days, such as breaking down J.J. McCarthy versus Kyle McCord and giving five reasons why Ohio State will win this game and five reasons why Michigan will win this game, along with many more videos. I am going to milk talking about the game because the game, the game, the game. It's the best rivalry in all of college football, in all of sports, and Michigan and Ohio State fans don't agree on much. But what we can shake hands on, make eye contact, and smile about is the fact that we, and I say we because I'm a Michigan fan, have the greatest rivalry in college football. Noon Eastern time, kickoff. Gus Johnson, Joel Klatt, Ann Arbor, the last time these two teams met in 2022, because it's an annual rivalry, Michigan won 45-23. to and the last time these two teams played in the big house in 2021, Michigan won 42-27. to Before then, Ohio State had won every edition of the game since 2011. And in 2003, 2011, and 2000, including 2021 and 2022, 
those are the only five times Michigan has won the rivalry since 2000, the beginning of the 21st century. In 2001, 2002, 2004, 2005, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Pause at 11. Brady Hoke beat Luke Fickle, interim head coach in, with Ohio State's worst team since World War II. Congratulations. 2012, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. In my own view, Michigan probably opted out of the 2020 year because it was very likely they were going to get wrecked, but I don't have any evidence to back that up. That was a game that was because Michigan had too many COVID cases. They couldn't play. And then 21-22, Michigan has seemingly turned the tide here. A third win in a row and a win over Ohio State where Michigan is without their head coach on the sidelines, where Connor Stallions has been fired, Chris Partridge has been fired. Michigan had an unfair advantage over Big Ten teams in the previous two seasons. That's an undisputed fact. And Ohio State fans, some have commented in some of my previous videos that I need to bring this up. And I think I've done a fair job of bringing this up when talking about Michigan. But I'm not going to go to the extreme end of the spectrum where I'm going to pretend that the only reason Michigan beat Ohio State or won the Big Ten over the past two seasons was because of Connor Stallions. Maybe that's the case, but we will never know. We will never be certain. And what we can be certain of is Michigan had an undeniable trench play advantage in this game over the past two seasons. Whether Ohio State has rectified that or not, we will see Saturday. Maybe they have, maybe they haven't. Maybe it doesn't even matter, and Ohio State wins anyway, even if Michigan has better trench play. Who knows? But for a third win in a row, with Sharon Moore acting as the interim head coach, and with all the controversy surrounding Michigan, again, the game breaks spirits. That would break Ohio State football. That would break the spirit of the team, more so, maybe not the spirit of the team, even though I'm pretty confident in saying that. Just look at the games where Michigan lost in either humiliating or close fashion, went on to lose their bowl games, or the mood surrounding the team totally changed. Ohio State football, their fans would be broken from that. And all trust in Ryan Day, even though I think he's an elite head coach, and the result in this game, I don't think will change my mind on that. It will either bump him up a few places in my coaching rankings or a few places down. He would still be in the top 10. This game essentially determines, along with whether Ohio State makes it to the playoff, how they perform, do they win their bowl game, and other things, whether he is a top six, top eight head coach or a top four, top three head coach. Still a top 10 head coach. But the expectations at Ohio State are such that if you don't beat Michigan consistently, especially given the recent success, you are immediately put under scrutiny and all trust is lost in you. For Michigan, it's similar. Let me explain. The past two seasons have really been put under a microscope, and people have doubted Michigan's success. Almost everyone except for Michigan fans. This is totally understandable, by the way. Michigan is rightfully disliked now because they have, they have cheated, and the team and the university are essentially denying that any wrongdoing happened. They are practicing cognitive dissonance. 
and no one likes that. Now, it's understandable why the team is galvanizing. They should be. They should be adopting that Michigan versus the world mentality, and the fan base is too. However, if Michigan comes into the big house and beats Michigan, if or if Ohio State comes into the big house and beats Michigan, I think I said if Michigan comes into the big house and beats Michigan. Anyway, if the Buckeyes enter and they win, the success of the past two seasons, there's a lot of doubt cast on that, isn't there? Isn't there? I, I think there is. Maybe I'm wrong in that. But I think that Michigan and Ohio State, the way they've played for the past two seasons, the 2022 teams were elite teams. This year's teams, I'm certain, are elite They might have their own quirks, their own clunks, their own kinks, but they're elite. Same with last year's teams. 2021, they were near elite teams. I'm certain that if Ohio State was in a similar position where they were without their head coach on the sidelines in this game, the expectation of their performance wouldn't be changed all that much, much like mine isn't changed for Michigan. These are two teams with mature leadership, with a lot of returning experience with veteranacy, with staffs that can be trusted. And I think that for the Wolverines, the expectation should be to beat Ohio State. Michigan, like Ohio State, has elite players, and Michigan has caught up to Ohio State, I think, in terms of athleticism and depth in a lot of areas. On paper, from a roster standpoint, not necessarily a performance standpoint, these two teams are as close as they've ever been. I'm not talking about recruiting rankings here. If that's the case, the gap is actually still widening in Ohio State's favor. But from a developmental standpoint, and from a physicality standpoint, and athleticism speed standpoint, I think the gap is narrowing here. And Michigan has an opportunity to fully take over the rivalry, Ohio State has the chance to take back the rivalry, and if Ohio State wins, doubt is cast on Michigan's past success and whether all of that success was due to exclusively cheating. And if Michigan wins, then Ryan Day, there's going to be pressure on him. There's going to be significant competitive pressure. Michigan or Ohio State, one of them has to lose. And for the loser, the season will be an absolute failure because there are five, including Michigan and Ohio State, five undefeated college football playoff contenders. It's highly unlikely, though possible, it's unlikely that the loser of the game will enter the college football playoff. Some serious chaos, which is possible, but unlikely, more unlikely than I would say last year's chaos. Some serious chaos would have to happen for both of these teams to get into the college football playoff. And at that point, you get a really lucky or fortunate shot at redemption if you lose this game, and you have to capitalize on that. Ohio State getting a shot of redemption against Georgia was a double-edged sword. In one way, it was very good. And Ohio State fans and the staff is thinking, hey, we have another opportunity. Maybe we rematch with our rival and beat them in the national title in a game that would matter more 
than the standard edition of the game in the regular season, and we'll never let Michigan hear the end of it. But that was a double-edged sword because that Georgia loss was very, it was painful. It was a game that Ohio State should have won. That's just one example. Michigan could have the same thing happen this year. They lose at home to their rival, like Ohio State did last season, and they enter the college football playoff and come oh so close and yet fall short, and then they lose a lot of great players to the draft, plenty of seniors. And then this season, much like last year with Ohio State, would sort of become a season of painful what-ifs. Both teams are 11-0. Both are top two in FPI. Ohio State's number one in FPI. They jumped back ahead of Michigan like they were for every week of the regular season outside of the week prior to week 12. So the days following up to week 12. Michigan is at number two. It's their second highest ranking in FPI the whole season. At some point, they were as low as number 13 or 14. But they've really, really climbed up. College Football Nerds, wonderful channel. They picked Ohio State to win, full disclosure, even though their model is picking Michigan to win. College Football Nerds mentioned how Ohio State surpassed Michigan in FPI. And I want to add something to that. FPI's accurate at this point in the season of picking who the better teams in the nation are. In the preseason, it can be pretty laughable. But that is a lot of people's preseason predictions and preseason model predictions. I mean, heck, I thought that Michigan State would have a winning record. I thought that Minnesota would be good. I thought that Texas would beat Oklahoma, and I thought that Alabama would beat Texas. And I thought that USC would go 9-3, and three, which turned out to be too generous. So my preseason predictions are far from perfect. FPI, by practically the end of the regular season, knows who the true national champion contenders are. And Michigan, Ohio State, and Georgia are in that top three. Ohio State's number one, Michigan's number two, Georgia's number three in ESPN's FPI. FPI has been lower on the top tier of the SEC this season, and it has been crazy high on the top three of the Big Ten this season, as Penn State once was in the top three. The top three used to be Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. That used to be the top three in ESPN's FPI. I wanted to add to college football nerds in mentioning Ohio State surpassing Michigan in FPI by saying that at the beginning of the season, Ohio State was wildly ahead of Michigan in football power, so ahead that they would have been projected to win by double digits on a neutral field. Michigan, by football power, has been closing the gap all season long. Every year they have been inchworming closer and closer and closer to Ohio State, who's pretty much stayed stable, plateaued, or maybe lowered a little bit from their preseason standing where they had about 30 football power index points. Now they're sitting at about 27 and a half. Michigan surpassed Ohio State after their win over Penn State, and they were ahead by about a half point. Now, after that poor performance by Michigan against Maryland and Ohio State's impressive or expected performance against Minnesota, Ohio State's ahead by about a third of a point. So, these teams are neck in neck in football power. That hasn't been the case for years. Hasn't been the case. Last season, Ohio State 
was ahead of Michigan for the entire year in football power. And the year before that, Ohio State was ahead of Michigan for by about a field goal or more for the entire year in football power. This year, Ohio State is 27.5 FPI points. Michigan has 27.2. In 2022, Ohio State had 25.8 football power points. Michigan had 23.6. And in 2021, Ohio State had 24 football power points. Michigan had 20.7. Both teams by football power index have been steadily improving throughout the past three seasons. But Michigan has been catching up to Ohio State in terms of football power. Now, the interesting part about this matchup is Ohio State has also caught up to Michigan in some other areas either. They've improved defensively. They've taken steps back on the offensive line, but that's more so by poor recruiting and loss of production than necessarily by design. They have intentionally improved on defense to the point where Michigan and Ohio State are practically neck and neck defensively. Michigan is given a 54.8% chance to win, according to FPI. That's because of home field advantage. Neutral site, Ohio State would be favored. Michigan's favored by three, according to ESPN's odds. And according to Football Power Index, Michigan should be favored by about two and a half. What's interesting is in terms of efficiency, Michigan has 95.1 efficiency points. Ohio State has 89.7 efficiency points. Michigan and Ohio State, the gap that separates them in efficiency is a gap that is similar to what separates Ohio State from Florida State in terms of efficiency. So the efficiency metrics and the advanced analytics really love Michigan, who was the third most efficient offense, the number one defense according to efficiency by a mile over number two Penn State. And Michigan has finally jumped into the top 100 of special teams because they had to use their special teams in order to pull away from Maryland, where they haven't really had to use their special teams unit all season long, getting a blocked punt for a safety, kicking a field goal, Tommy Doman pinning Maryland deep. Even in Michigan's close game against Maryland, there were some encouraging things to see, the defense and special teams stepping up. But they haven't been peaking exactly over the past few weeks. Ohio State, meanwhile, has been peaking. They're top 10 in efficiency on offense, where they have the 8th most efficient offense, and they're 4th in defensive efficiency. And they have a top 100 special teams unit as well, per efficiency. The reason why Michigan is ahead in efficiency but behind an FPI I think is pretty simple. FPI takes into account recruiting rankings. I don't know if efficiency does. In fact, I don't think efficiency takes into account recruiting rankings. But FPI does, and Ohio State has that much more talented of a roster in terms of recruiting rankings. But over the past two seasons, Ohio State has led in efficiency. In 2022, they had a lead of about three points in terms of efficiency. And in 2021, Ohio State had a two-point lead in terms of efficiency. This year, Michigan has leapfrogged ahead of Ohio State on the efficiency front. And it's understandable. Michigan's offense scores more points. They have more points per play. Michigan's offense scores about one point per first down gained. They're uber efficient. Ohio State's offense, meanwhile, has taken sometimes what seems like light years away 
from the offenses of 21 and 22, but I think that's compensated for by their defensive improvement. 53% of you picked Ohio State to win, about 1,325 on you on my final community poll asking who is going to win in the game. 47% of you picked Michigan to win, about 1,175. Remember to subscribe to the channel and click the notification bell so that you can have my polls in your feed. That way your vote is recorded and featured on this channel. One more thing I want to note before I move on, and I'm mainly talking about the broad picture in this video because I'm going to do multiple deep dives. So this will be a slightly different preview and prediction video, but I think it's important to mention this, and I'll mention this in probably one more video this week. Ohio State versus Michigan. This is per actionnetwork.com, which has a catalog of different sports books to choose from. And this is as of today. As of today, Michigan, according to Action Network, is favored by three and a half points. They're minus 165 money line. And 82% of all public bets are on Ohio State to cover that spread. Now, this is early, but Michigan, early in the week against Penn State, about 50 to 55% of public bets were on them to cover against Penn State. It only shifted to about 60% and then a little back down to the upper 50s when Harbaugh's suspension was announced. So I imagine these numbers will hold, even though the amount of bets will grow. Over 90% of bets, according to Action Network, I'm not exactly sure whether Action Network keeps track of every single bet, but since they have a catalog of sports books, I imagine they have a wide range of data points. Over 90% of bets are on Ohio State Moneyline. So the world, for now, practically is picking Ohio State to win or cover. The, the majority of the public, at least. Michigan fans make up a large part of the college football world, and essentially all of them except for maybe a select few are picking Michigan to win because the fan base is galvanized. But what I'm trying to do here is pick who I think is the better team and who I think is going to win in this specific game. Who has the matchup advantage? Who has the edge? Who can dial up pressure at the right time? Or who can call that great, fourth and one, fourth and two, who can be clutch? Who can take the opposing team by the neck and dig their thumbs into their esophagus and just destroy the opponent? Who can do that? Who has that killer instinct? I would say, because Harbaugh isn't on the sidelines, I'm going to give staff to Ohio State, and that's massive. You may see three position advantages. You may see seven for Michigan, and you may think that I believe that Michigan is going to waltz in here and just kick Ohio State out of town. No. No, it's not necessarily what I think. Ohio State will have a staff advantage. Ryan Day will be on the sidelines. Michigan in the previous two games doesn't have the same energy and kick that they usually do. I think Harbaugh is a great motivator. I think Sharon Moore is a great motivator, too. He's not the same as Harbaugh. And Sharon Moore having to juggle being a CEO and play calling also makes me trust Ohio State's offensive staff, not just the head coach, more. I would give an edge to Jesse Minner over Jim Knowles, though, and I will explain why. I think that Jesse Minner's defense, mainly because of the Maryland game, had to adjust. 
there had to be changes made. Against Maryland, for about the first 35, 40, 45 minutes of the game, Michigan was playing soft zone, and Maryland ate it up. Toward the end of the game, Michigan is playing a little tighter. They're using stunts. They're switching around defensive linemen to confuse Maryland's O-line, and they made adjustments, and that's why, despite only scoring two points on a safety in the fourth quarter, Michigan came out with a win. I don't think Ohio State has had to adjust defensively all season long because their offense is better than any offense they faced. The defense is... Their schemes worked every single game. They have not allowed more than... Gosh, I think they haven't allowed more than... 14 points, if I'm right in saying it. They haven't allowed more than 14 points, I think, to Notre Dame all season long. They're a ridiculously good defense. In watching some film, I have discovered that I don't think Ohio State's defense is as conservative as I thought. They're just that good. The bend but don't break isn't an uber, very conservative and almost reactive defense. That's not what's going on here. I've seen Ohio State zero blitz and send seven or eight men forward in one game than I've seen Michigan do that practically all season long. So there is aggression. And in fact, I think Michigan's defense might be a more conservative defense, but I'm a little uncertain. Regardless, I think that Ohio State's defense is willing to make calculated risks. They're an elite staff. I don't think that they're a bad staff, and that's why I have Michigan's defensive staff is better. But I think Minter has had to make adjustments. And I think that will help in a game where both teams will have to make adjustments. Meanwhile, Sharon Moore in the past few games, against Penn State it was genius, against Maryland I thought it was sort of archaic. I think sometimes he can turtle too much. And that's understandable because he's juggling... Literally on the sidelines, he's juggling more responsibility than Harbaugh has had in the past two seasons. Harbaugh didn't call plays, and he didn't manage the team. He just managed the team. Moore's having to do both of those. So he's juggling a load of responsibility while also trying to call plays and do his job as a coordinator and as a head coach. It's very hard to do. Ryan Day does this, but he's used to it, and he's a better play caller than Sharon Moore is, and he has a helper in Brian Hartline, who can call plays for him at times and is learning how to do that. Plus, I think that Brian Hartline, better wide receivers coach than Ron Bellamy. You know me if you've been on this channel for years or just weeks. I think I've made it pretty clear. I think Ryan Day is an offensive genius. He himself is just sometimes too reactive and falls to pressure, but that's practically everyone. So I'm going to give staff to Ohio State for... The rest of these rooms, it's pretty simple. Ohio State has Marvin Harrison Jr., a 1,000-yard receiver, a Heisman finalist there. And they have Emeka Igbuka, who could be a first-round pick. And they have Julian Fleming, who'd be picked in the NFL draft. Michigan, Cornelius Johnson, good player. Roman Wilson, great near-elite wide receiver. None of them are Marvin Harrison Jr. None of them are Emeka Igbuka. Roman Wilson has 612 receiving yards and 10 receiving touchdowns. Again, near elite great player. Marvin Harrison Jr. has 1,093 receiving yards, 13 receiving touchdowns. He's averaging nearly 18 yards per reception. Igbuka, who's been out a few games due to health, 
three receiving touchdowns, 427 receiving yards, and he had nearly 100 receiving yards against Minnesota. So he's peaking. I'm giving wide receiver to Ohio State. I'm giving defensive back to Ohio State. Watching the film of Ohio State zero blitz, and they're still that good in coverage and don't get burned, convinces me that this is one of the best secondaries in the country, which I already thought before I did some deeper analysis. They have 47 pass deflections, seven interceptions. Their leader in pass deflections right now is Josh Proctor and Denzel Burke, each with eight. Both also have an interception. Proctor, phenomenal player, All-American caliber, 36 total tackles. Denzel Burke, 14 total tackles. And Tyleek Williams, he's involved in the pass defense too because he has five pass deflections. He's a phenomenal defensive tackle. But getting back to the secondary, Jordan Hancock is a pick six. Jermaine Matthews is a pick six. Proctor is a pick six. Three pick sixes, seven interceptions, 45 passes defended. Ohio State's number one in the country in allowed passer rating per game. They only allow a 92 passer rating per game on average. And that's with a defense that is outside of the top 20 in yards allowed per carry. So, and that's also with a defense that does take calculated risks. Michigan... I'm going to say straight up, I think Michigan, despite often not bringing as much intentional pressure, is that much better at getting pressure. I have not seen Michigan zero blitz for much of the season, particularly against Penn State, which is where I got most of my film from, since that's their best common opponent. And Ohio State, they did have limitations on defense there with Denzel Burke, but their secondary still played well. They didn't have any limitations, to my knowledge, defensively outside of secondary, and neither did Michigan. So there were some pretty good takeaways, some beautiful film and takeaways from that specific game, where both beat Penn State, and they controlled Penn State, and each won by single digits, eight points for Ohio State at home, nine points for Michigan on the road. I think that at corner, Michigan and Ohio State are pretty close. I think at safety, Ohio State does have a decisive advantage. But going back to Michigan, Michigan, not only at offensive line, I think has a significant edge. I think they do at defensive line, too. Michael Hall Jr., he will be back for this game that's huge for Ohio State. I don't know if he will be 100%. We'll have to see. Regardless of that, I think Michigan at defensive tackle is slightly deeper, and I think they're also better in terms of starting caliber there. But that's just one part of the defensive line. Ohio State this season has a 5% pressure rate. Michigan has an 8% pressure rate. Ohio State only has 21 sacks. Michigan has 27. And Michigan's secondary, despite not having as many passes defended or deflected, they have 14 interceptions. They have double the amount of interceptions, and they have one more pick six. And Michigan also has one more forced fumble and one more fumble recovery. Michigan's defense, and this is in large part due to the pressure they get up front while typically only sending four or five players, Michigan forces turnovers. Michigan has a plus 1.1 turnover margin per game. Ohio State's dead even in turnover margin per game. That is one area where I think that Michigan, despite having the inferior secondary and allowing more big plays, Michigan's defense is more effective at getting to the quarterback and they're much more effective at creating big defensive plays, whether those are scores, short fields. Michigan also forces about a fifth of an extra punt per offensive score. So more often than not, they're able to get off the field quicker 
Ohio State's more of a calculated, risk-taking, bend-but-don't-break defense. Michigan is a defense that really tries not to give up big plays, but they try and get off the field early. Michigan's defense is more concerned with getting off the field early. That involves bringing pressure, but also making sure to not send too much pressure so that they can limit big plays while not totally eliminating them. Ohio State's defense is not as concerned about getting off the field as they are about surrendering big momentum-swinging touchdowns. And I think that's a reflection of partially last year's losses, where Michigan lost to TCU because TCU, on a lot of shorter plays, was able to get touchdowns by taking advantage of Michigan being over-aggressive. But more importantly, TCU was able to get sustained drives and turn those into touchdowns or field goals. Meanwhile, Ohio State's defense, what happened to them last year? Well, big plays for touchdowns. So both defenses have adapted from last year's mistakes and I think have improved. I take Michigan at defensive line. At linebacker, it's very close. I think Ohio State's linebacker core is better at run defense. I think Michigan's is better at pass defense. Overall, I I slightly lean Michigan there. But part of my thinking that Michigan would have the better linebacker core is that could be affected by the fact that Michigan's defensive line is better at gap integrity. They're better at stopping the run. They're also better at rushing the passer. They might be compensating for Michigan's linebacker core. So linebacker's a 50-50 area. Running back is two. At running back, Travion Henderson has less rushing yards than Blake Corum but only about 100 less rushing yards, and he's played in three less games. And Henderson's averaging 6.7 yards per rush. Corum's averaging 4.9. So they are a different type of running back. Corum, especially this year, has more evolved into what we would see of Hassan Haskins in 2021. Part of that might be an injury that he suffered last season, but he also does have that explosive element to him that we saw from Blake Corum in 2021, 2022, And we've seen it this year against Bowling Green and against Penn State. He has 20 rushing touchdowns on 180 carries. Henderson has 10 rushing touchdowns on 118 carries, averaging 6.7 yards per carry, has a long rush of 75, and he has 794 rushing yards. Henderson's much more of a home run hitter. You put him and Corum in open space, Corum will probably be tackled before he reaches the end zone. Henderson's just gone. No point in wasting your energy. Corum is much better at spinning. And getting the first down on short yardage and powering through, Henderson has shown some power that he hasn't had over the past two seasons, which is encouraging, but his offensive line doesn't do him any favors, and he isn't built in the same way for power football. To his credit, though, he has taken better care of the football. Henderson hasn't fumbled once this season, I don't believe. Meanwhile, Corm has fumbled once against Maryland and once against Michigan, so he has to take better care of the football. But I think that Donovan Edwards is better at this point than Chip Trainum. And if I'm wrong there, Kalel Mullings is great. And Michigan doesn't have an injury in their running back room right now. Unfortunately, Mayan Williams is out. If Mayan Williams was in and healthy, I would strongly consider giving Ohio State the edge at running back. They have really faced an uptick of production in the running back room. Quarterback, I give to Michigan. And tight end, I give to Michigan. There is a strong argument, I think, for every position except for 
O-line, D-line, special teams to potentially be flipped to Ohio State. And I'd say quarterback, too. Based off of what we know right now, I find it very hard to believe we can say McCord is the better quarterback. After this game, though, I think this game could determine that McCord is the better quarterback. But I... He throws more than McCarthy. He's relied upon more to carry the offense than McCarthy, yes. But McCarthy, from an overall spectrum of performances and data points, has been that much more efficient. He's still second in the nation in quarterback efficiency rating. McCord is a distant seventh. There's about seven efficiency points that separates them. A 90.6 QBR, 18 passing touchdowns, four interceptions, 178.3 passer rating. He has 164 rushing yards for three rushing touchdowns. He's scrambling less than he did last year, but he has that athleticism as well that McCord doesn't have. McCord is eighth in QBR, 22 passing touchdowns, four interceptions. He has more of a fumble and ball security problem than McCarthy does, but not much of a concern. He also doesn't have McCarthy's mobility. Ohio State's allowed 15 sacks on the season. Michigan has allowed 13 to McCarthy. Both teams' offensive lines are similar in pass block. Michigan's slightly better, but it's not by as much as you'd expect. The real difference is in run blocking, especially on the interior, where Corum, Edwards get about a guaranteed yard or two, even against 11 men knowing you're going to run the football with that interior offensive line. Ohio State doesn't have that same push. Tight end. Cade Stover might be the best tight end on the field, but Colston Loveland could too. And A.J. Barner is better than G. Scott and Jelani Thurman. He just is. He's seen more action in games, and he's a great route runner, good blocker. I love Michigan's tight end room. But staff is a big edge, and Ohio State has an outer-worldly edge at wide receiver. Most other positions outside of O-line, D-line, and I think special teams and maybe quarterback could be up for debate in regards to Ohio State having the edge there. I would have given Michigan the edge at um, staff. I would have if Harbaugh was on the sidelines, but I don't think it can be up for debate that Ohio State now is the edge at staff with Harbaugh not on the sidelines. Players to watch in this game are Travion Henderson at running back for the Buckeyes and Blake Corum at running back for the Michigan Wolverines. I think, just like every other season, Whoever has the better rushing attack will win this game. And by better rushing attack, I don't mean whoever has the better rushing offense as is. I'm including matchups against opposing defensive lines. Ohio State right now might have the better rushing offense because they have that ability to just explode and you know take the grenade and throw it down in the trench and boom, well now you've allowed seven points. First play of the second half against Minnesota. Boom. Score seven points. Michigan hasn't done that all season in the run or pass scheme. Michigan's rushing attack is more consistent. That's why, despite criticism, they were able to run on every play against Penn State and win. And why they were able to run against Maryland and still score three touchdowns, despite J.J. McCarthy playing horribly and basically taking away three or seven points from Michigan before the half with that interception. However, what matters on top of Corum, Edwards, Trainums, and Henderson's performance is how they match up against opposing defensive lines and how the battle in the trenches goes. So this is a physical game. 
a game fought in the trenches, by the O-line, by the D-line. I imagine you know where I'm going with this, but let's talk a little bit more about these players. Henderson is definitely peaking. Corum, again, fumbling over the past two games, area of concern. I'm curious to see if Donovan Edwards will have a breakout game here like he did last season against Ohio State, and I'm curious to see whether Chip Trainum is used more in short yardage. I think that having a power back could be useful in this game against a run defense as good as Michigan's. Remember last season when Henderson was out and Williams was, I think, out or played extremely sparingly? Trainum came in. And he was running hard and well against Michigan. His his power was very, very clear. And Ohio State had the better rushing offense in the first half. It was big plays that kept Michigan in the game for the first half. And eventually when they found rhythm and consistency, that's when they started to bully the Buckeyes. Henderson right now is performing at a higher level. Part of me says that Henderson is the better running back in the Big Ten. I would say over the past two weeks, he's certainly been better than Corum. From a standpoint of potential and overall body of work, I'd say Corum has been more consistent. So I'm going to let you decide, if you want to, in the comment section below, whether you think Henderson or Corum is the better running back. Frankly, I don't think that matters that much. I think what matters more is whether Ohio State or Michigan has the better defensive line. That's what I think matters the most. And I think it's clear from watching what I've watched and also seeing that the reason Penn State was able to run on Michigan and not Ohio State was not just because Penn State abandoned the run. I mean, they, within the first two drives, they threw the run out the door for whatever reason and had Aller in a hornet's nest passing for over 40 attempts. That's idiot. That is peak. It, that's peak idiocy. You're, you're relying on an inexperienced quarterback, a quarterback who's probably overrated by recruiting analysts, to throw against what could be the number one secondary in the country in his first big road game when he doesn't have receivers outside of Lambert Smith and when he doesn't have an elite offensive line. What are you doing? Penn State had the better game plan against Michigan, but also Michigan didn't bring as many guys forward. Michigan, schematically, I think was more prepared for the deep pass than Ohio State was. There were multiple times I counted Ohio State sending eight-man blitzes, and the three men, the three safety valves, essentially, did their job in coverage, and there were some other plays where they were sort of in a soft, softer coverage, and if Penn State had an accurate quarterback, those zero blitzes could have bitten Ohio State in the butt, but Aller under duress just can't make throws. Couldn't whatsoever. And Michigan ran with a light box all game against Penn State. They rarely stacked the box. Ohio State was constantly stacking the box. And despite only sending typically four, five, maybe at most six guys forward against Aller, Michigan had the better pass rush. Michigan was in Aller's face within one, two seconds for much of that game. So Michigan's defense, I think, is just more effective at bringing pressure and more effective at stopping the run without having to dedicate as many resources there. That doesn't mean I think Michigan has a great passing attack. I think they're going to have problems in the passing offense in creating big plays. 
and in torching Ohio State like they did last season. But I think due to the fact that Michigan McCarthy on average this season has been better, he's been more mature. It's a myth that he had a bad game against Penn State. The staff chose to execute a different game plan. He was atrocious in the Maryland game, though, I will say that. But watch his performance against Penn State. He made plays. He improvised. He didn't throw an interception. On the few times he did pass, he threw darts, whether deep to A.J. Barner, which was called for a P.I., or other times where he did rollouts and he executed them in the face of pressure. I see Michigan winning this game 31-17. to The Wolverines are going to pressure McCord all day long. Michigan's D-line is better at bringing pressure and better at stopping the run than Ohio State's D-line is. And Ohio State's O-line is weaker at pass pro and at run blocking than Michigan's is. That means Michigan has a matchup advantage in the trenches. It's not quite as clear as the past two seasons. It's not going to be as easy. Ohio State's done a very good job of minimizing that matchup advantage overall. And I say that because over the past three seasons, Ohio State has had their own matchup advantage with their wide receivers over Michigan's defensive backs. And they have that again this year. No one can cover Marvin Harrison Jr. You have to double team him. And even if you do, he will catch the football. But Michigan has also improved exponentially at secondary over the past three seasons. I think Michigan and Ohio State are either neutral in terms of matchup advantage, or there's a slight matchup advantage to Michigan on the field. Off the field, I think Ohio State has the matchup advantage in terms of staff. But overall, both of these teams in terms of schematic matchups, player matchups, coaching matchups, piling that all on top of each other, and maybe only one of them matters, they're pretty dead even. So that leaves us to looking at home field advantage and who's the deeper team, who's the better team objectively that's Michigan straight up that's Michigan and I could be wrong I sound very confident in saying this I am the Michigan fan who hates when my team isn't winning by 28 I am the Michigan fan who in 2021 and 2022 picked Michigan to cover but still lose to Ohio State in painful fashion I have reasons to look at this Michigan team and pick them to win a big game they beat Penn State on the road. I think Penn State, despite not having the same athletes and physicality, I think Penn State actually has a defense that matches up better with Michigan's offense because they have the speed and efficiency at pass rush to force Michigan to go into a run-heavy offense. Ohio State doesn't have that. And if they do, well, I think Michigan receivers will have an opportunity. Penn State was able to bring pressure with five, six guys, they they zero blitzed as well, but they didn't have to to get pressure. I feel like Ohio State is going to have to bring heavy blitzes to get pressure on a consistent basis. There will be plays where Tui Molau or Sawyer, because they're, they're good, they're NFL level, will be able to get to McCarthy, but they don't have the same speed that Chop Robinson does. They don't have the same type of dialed up pressure or the same ridiculous high ceiling at linebacker with Curtis Jacobs and Abdul Carter that Penn State does. I think, I just think Michigan's offense matches up better with Ohio State's defense than they did against Penn State. And for that reason, I think Michigan will run for over 200 yards. I think this defense will pressure McCord all day and they'll force one turnover. Ohio State will come out and they'll play elite football. But at the end of the day, they'll be outmatched. 
by Michigan's superior depth. And look, it's extremely tough to pick against Ohio State, even though I'm sitting here and confidently telling you most people are picking Ohio State and they're basing it off of the Maryland game, basing your pick, I'm telling you, and maybe I'm wrong, basing your pick off of one sample size, even if it is the most recent sample, basing your pick off of one sample when you have 11 to work with and everyone is doing that, that's an exaggeration, but most people are doing that, and you're on the road, and Michigan objectively through statistics and efficiency is better, that could be a very dangerous road to go down. So I think Michigan wins. I think Michigan covers. I think Michigan controls this game, and by the end, this might be reflected as another game where Michigan had a dominant performance. But I think this will be a closer game than the 2021 and 2022 games by terms of final score. And I think this will be similar to the 2022 game in terms of very close game at half. The better team will begin to show themselves in the third and fourth quarter. May the best team win. I could totally be wrong on this. I was wrong for the past two seasons. Wouldn't shock me if I was wrong here. But I think a lot of things point to Michigan winning this game and returning to the Big Ten in the college football playoff games. Thank you so much for watching this video. I want to give a shout-out to my patrons, Crash2488, Anthony McDowell, and Justin Rogg. Thank you for being November Heisman patrons. Thanks to Spencer Bringhurst, DLC, and SFS Inverted for being All-American patrons. And thanks to Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, Roaming No, Matthew Sale, Chris Lane, Austin Christmas, and Zubin Zah for being this month's All-Conference patrons. Check out my Patreon page via the link in the description to get bonus picks. And also, when my power rankings return, I'm trying as hard as I can to get them back, guys, automated and fully updated. You will have access to those if you're an All-American or Heisman. It's been over 50% against the spread, about 75% against the money line. Have a phenomenal day, guys. Bye-bye.